Welcome to Better Family Travel with Amy and Kathleen, the podcast where we'll help you plan fun, enriching, and affordable experiences for you and your family that meet your goals. We'll ask ourselves hard questions, reveal our mistakes, and share a new perspective on what better family travel can look like for you. Whether you're a seasoned traveler or your journeys are just starting, you're a better family traveler just by tuning in. Welcome back to Better Family Travel. I'm Kathleen Monroe here with Amy DeCesare. How's it going, Amy? Things are going pretty okay, Kathleen. How are you? Pretty good. Anything new with your business? <laughs> yeah, actually, so things are going pretty well with the business. We've had to be a little creative. So for, for people who don't know, my husband has been trying to start a new business. It's called Mosquito Shield. So it's a franchise, and but it's new to him and local business owner. And he's had to really become educated on ticks and mosquitoes and, you know, the proper use of control products. And he's really blown me away with how knowledgeable he's become. Like he was talking to me about it today and it's like, it blows me away. But, you know, we've had to navigate the licensing and everything else. So he's fully licensed for tick um, and he's still working on the mosquito piece, but the name of business is Mosquito Shield. So we don't want to be misleading. Um, so we're working on it. So right now what we decided to do is offer a free tick spray and just kind of told our friends like, Hey, if you want to try it and he's getting such a big response. So he did a few houses for his first spray yesterday and he has five sprays. A few people, we don't even know that they just heard about it. And so that's fantastic. It's going to start to pick up. I'm, I'm really excited for you guys. So I think, you know, again, just thinking outside the box and being like, this is not how we planned it. This is not the way that, you know, we're supposed to launch the business, but we don't have the big mosquito, but actually right now everyone's worried about tick anyway. So that's the truth. It's in the news and everything right now. Yeah. Big, so big tick news. Well, you know, your, your burgeoning business is part of the theme of the last couple of you know episodes. We've been talking about small businesses and you know, Michelle Lemoy started her foundation. Um, she's trying to support women in construction who don't have, you know, traditionally there aren't a lot of role models in construction for women. And you know, I really love this idea of small business and I think if I'm not mistaken, the guest that you brought today is also a founder of her own business. Is that correct? That is correct. Indira Bear, did I say the last name correct? Yes, Bear. Uh-huh. Bear. Yes, right. I'm a Rhode Islander, so I really butcher R's. So you'll have to I was to going to me. call out your Rhode Island accent. I'm like, like, it didn't cut the R, it didn't stick the R. <laughs> um, so I'm really excited because Indira and I don't know each other. We, we've never met in person, but I saw her promoting her business on a local Facebook group. And it's a topic that is near and dear to my heart wine, but also <laughs> wine from another region. And one of the reasons, as you know, Kathleen, really, I've really enjoyed learning about wine. While while we've been going through COVID, I've had the opportunity to become more educated, get a, you know, not just like I'm drinking red or I'm drinking Cabernet, but why certain, you know, certain things taste the way they do, what makes a better wine. And I'm really enjoying it. So when she posted, and not only it was a wine, but from a region I really wasn't aware of, I just reached out and I said, hi, you know, as I do, hi, my friend and I have a podcast. <laughs> Would you like to be a guest? And we had a great conversation. So with that, Indira, thank you so much for joining us today. 
Well, Amy, I'm really glad you contacted me. It was it was just a great phone call. I mean, message actually to to get and uh, be invited to a podcast. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm I was so so pleased to learn about your podcast. I've been listening to uh, your episodes and all of your guests, several several guests that you Thank have. You. Really glad to see that you are uh, bringing in the, these uh, women-owned small businesses and helping us helping uh, us spread the word about our small businesses. Yes, and Kathleen, uh, to answer your question, um, I am one person, small business. It cannot get smaller <laughs> than that. <laughs> I founded uh, Wines of Illyria about five years ago now. Uh, in March, it was five years, actually. I decided to put my country on the map. So I'm originally from the former Yugoslavia. Now it's seven really different countries. Uh, it's Slovenia, Croatia, Bosnia, um, Serbia, Montenegro, Kosovo, and, and Northern Macedonia. So we had unfortunate war, civil war in uh, the fall of Yugoslavia in the early 90s. And now we have all these independent countries. To me, I think it's better to work together and be together and help each other rather than everybody getting their own independence. But okay, um, not 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 to talk about politics. I, I'd rather talk about wine. And <laughs> so I decided to, because nobody has ever imported wines from that region before, really, I, I decided, well, I, I'm going to just bring uh, these amazing wines. I mean, the best wines that they they possibly can create is what I import. And the best part of, of it is it's a, because I'm such a small business and there's no really marketing dollars attached to these wines. So you get the highest quality wine possible for very affordable price. So and Jerry, yeah. you I I want to hear about the wines because I am super excited to learn about another region. But on our introductory call, when you and I first spoke, I really found it intriguing in about how you decided your path to small business owner could you just take us a few steps back and you know that five years ago you know a little bit about your path from Yugoslavia to you know where you were like this is where I want to be in my life and what I want to do right sure yes good question so prior to this wine career I was actually in banking for about 20 years and then immigrated to the states in 96 so about 26 years ago, really spoke zero English, not a word at all. So it took me a while to uh, learn the language. So I had to go to all these uh, ESL courses, realized that my college diploma from home really didn't mean much because I couldn't speak the language. I decided after that to go to four-year college and then after that to get my master's. And so and while I was going to school, I was working and building my career in banking. So I worked for Bank of America, small business banking most of the, this time. And um, after that, my husband got hired by the State Department Foreign Service. And we were, we actually decided, I decided to leave my career and join my husband. And we went back to Europe to work for the American embassies in, in different countries. So we we ended up living in Latvia, Riga, Latvia, capital of Latvia, uh, northern part of Europe, Baltic countries. Then the next assignment was in Serbia, which was kind of going back home in Belgrade. 
After that, we were in Bosnia, in Sarajevo for four years. And after working for four years at, at the embassy in Sarajevo on different programs, really helping Bosnia recover uh, from the war, develop economy, create jobs, help all these industries that can create jobs. And then four years after doing such, a, such great things, I felt we had to leave to go to another embassy. So we, we were transferred to uh, be in Vienna, in Austria. And I told my husband that I really would like to continue doing something for my country because unemployment in Bosnia when we were there uh, was 43% overall, where in the States was 2.7% unemployment. Youth unemployment was 67%. So what this means is like all educated young people there was no jobs at all and they were all planning on leaving the country and they were all going elsewhere to pursue higher education and I knew they would never come back. So brain drain was another issue that Bosnia-Herzegovina was really experiencing. Not only Bosnia but the whole region or most countries of the former Yugoslavia. So I thought really if I could open U.S. market for something they manufacture and create demand here for those products that would create jobs. So demand here will really create jobs. And so I was talking to my husband and I said, well, how about if I start importing something to the, to the States and maybe I'll make some difference. Maybe I'll create a few jobs back home. And he was really supportive. To start a small business, you really need support of your family, immediate help, family uh, first, of course, and friends and everybody else. But people can't see me, but I'm nodding my head because I'm going through this path and my friend is on this other call. And I will tell you that, yes, yes, you do. Absolutely. So he's like, well, you always wanted to have your own business. You always talked about it. And yes, I, I did. Ever since I came to the state, I was uh, mesmerized with how many small businesses are out there everywhere. Everybody had small business. And especially when I worked for small business banking for Bank of America, all of my clients had all kinds of businesses. We really not the thing in, in former Yugoslavia where I came from. Okay. Um, it was mostly large corporations. A lot of them were, most of them were state owned. So entrepreneurship was something totally new to me really when I came to the state. So, so Jim was like, hey, you've been talking about having your own business. You always have ideas to start an, a business and what can be a small business. Why don't you do it? Go ahead, quit your job and, and, and do. And so that's what I did. I actually started looking at what can be imported from Bosnia at that moment. And the only three things that they had right to export at that moment was potatoes, honey, and wine. Well, potatoes were scratched right away because potatoes came from Americas to Europe. So I was not going to schlep potatoes <laughs> back, back to, to America, uh, to the U.S. And honey, they have amazing honey. They produce really good honey, but not enough for export, not, not enough to make any difference. And I knew, I mean, I, we always drank wine. It's like a culture of drinking wine. And, and really in Europe, wine and beer are considered food. They're in the food group, not, not 
alcohol. So, so it's just normal to have for the whole family to enjoy a, a little bit of wine at lunch or, or dinner time. So, and when I really started looking into potential wine industry to create jobs and, and, and reading all the reports and looking into that, I, I realized that that's, that's what I'm going to do. Then I looked into if anybody is importing wines from there in the States and no, nobody was bringing these wines. And that was the, the decision, the decision was made, but really to go back to mention the, um, uh, being, um, you had a guest from construction industry, which is totally dominated by men, rarely yeah. women are in the, in the industry. Wine industry is really dominated by men. No kidding. Oh, absolutely. So it, that was, uh, I didn't realize that, but it's, um, definitely, it's been challenging to, to find my place in and, and get the respect that any, um, anybody would would expect from from partners right if you if i offer my wine i always felt like a lot of times people would ask me oh wh why are you doing this um what what does your husband do is this your hobby and yeah. a lot of times that happened actually it, it, i just want to stop right there just unpack a few things because there's so much of interest that i find fascinating about what we're saying because you're not you're correct me wrong you're not sommelier you're not classically trained on wines right you you enjoyed it much like and i'm sitting here thinking like i enjoy it you were interested in business but you didn't have a business and and you took your interest and curiosity about you know the wanting to own a business you know the passion for the wine and also the drive to help people i mean and i think I think at the heart of a lot of small businesses, that's that's the unstated part, right? There's there's it's yes, you want to entrepreneurship, yes, you want to own a business, but most, especially I think successful ones, at the core of it is you see a problem that you want to help solve, and I think that that is the gift of entrepreneurship, in my opinion, that it's not just I'm in it to make the money, and it, you know, that, of course, people, but it's there's a problem to solve, and you have a solution, and you know, you're helping people back you know, in your con your former country and, you know, also sharing these wines. So if we can, I'd just like to talk a little bit about each of those steps of it. If we could, like, can we start with the wines themselves? Because I don't think a lot of people, myself included, was really familiar with that as a wine region. Um, but you were telling me a little about like the geography of Europe and in some of it. Can you explain why the wines there are really excellent? Yeah. So, oh gosh, where to start? Let's talk about the, the position of where, where Bosnia and Herzegovina is actually. So if we're looking at the map of Europe, on the southern part of Europe, there are three great peninsulas. The one all the way on the west is Spain and Portugal. The one in the middle is Italian Peninsula, and the one on the east is Balkan Peninsula. So the bottom of Balkan Peninsula is Greek. Above that is uh, Northern Ma Macedonia now uh, called uh, Albania, Montenegro, then comes Serbia, Bulgaria, Romania, uh, Bosnia, Croatia, Slovenia. Right above that are like Hungary, Austria, to the left is Italy. So 
Bosnia, Herzegovina, Croatia, Montenegro, uh, in between Italy and Balkan Peninsula, there's Adriatic Sea, a very small sea, but uh, it's a part of Mediterranean Sea. So we have the coastal area of Bosnia and Croatia and, and Montenegro. They have exactly the same climate as like Southern California, which is Mediterranean climate, it's called as well. So um, very, if you're looking at microclimate, which is really important for wine growing, uh, wine production, wines that I import from, from Southern Bosnia, Herzegovina, are the, the climate is exactly the same, or very similar to Tuscany in Italy. So to me, the largest division of wine is if they come as far as the taste to me, right? Is if they come from a warm climate or they come from a cool climate, right? Mm -hmm. I personally prefer warm climate wine. So I will always look for, you know, California, maybe or Chardonnay or and South Africa. Or that affects the, the, the sweetness, right? Is that right? The, that's part of the sugar content. Is that part of it? So what what create what the most three important elements in wine are sugar, alcohol, and tannins, right? Uh, and acidity. So the 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 warmer the climate is, the more sunny days, the, the more sugar develops in the fruit, right? And so if I import only dry wines, what that means is that fermentation, which is the process of turning uh, sugar into alcohol, uh, is run all the way until all the sugar is turned into alcohol, right? So my wines typically have between 13 and 14% of alcohol, which is kind of for most people, ideal amount of alcohol. Now in warmer climate, in cooler climate, uh, it's much harder to, to reach that alcohol content, right? Because there's not enough sunny days, not enough sun, to develop enough sugars in the grape. And so it's hard to reach 13 or 14 percent of alcohol. Typically, wines from cooler climate tend to have a lot less alcohol, or um, they have more acidity. Then some some wineries choose to add sugar, you know, to, to wine. They choose to add additional alcohol. There's all kinds of ways to make wine, right? The wines that I import are naturally produced. It's a hundred percent juice squeezed from grape, fermented until all sugar is turned into alcohol, and then they're aged either in glass containers for white wines or stainless steel containers or um, oak barrels. So yes. That's awesome. I I know one of the things I've learned over the past year is, and the reason I've learned it is because with my job, people like to market to me. So I will just tell you that there are good parts about my, my day job. And so because normally we have to network and I mean, it's not the hardest thing to do, but we go network and usually it means a night out and I'm away from the kids, but I couldn't do that because of COVID. So the people that market to us, lawyers started sending us a lot of alcohol over like, and then they would get 
like an, like a sommelier on or they would start to teach us about wine it was actually the best i'm kind of introverted so i don't really enjoy the bar scene very much because i want to have a conversation at most or just i'll be quiet which i know is a shock for this part but I, i'm just that bar scene's not has never been my thing but i get to learn these like really cool things and one of the things that i learned about wine that i really didn't realize was that for the european um wines that the wine is generally named after the region. It's 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 the, the type of wine has a lot of, of regional names as opposed to the grape. Where here, you know, you drink Sauvignon Blanc or you drink Cabernet, so you're talking more about the grape itself that it comes from. Is that is that similar to the wines in Bosnia, or how, how are the wines named? Like, what would you look for? When I was that that was one of the decisions really to make. Do I want to import international varieties, which winemakers do grow mm -hmm. and, and produce in, in Bosnia, like Sauvignon Blanc, like uh, Chardonnay, like Merlot, Cabernet Sauvignon, or we have actually our own native variety. And that's what I decided. Why bring another Chardonnay from Bosnia, please? That didn't make sense to me. But the white wine that I import is called Žilavka. That's the really, if I don't have Zilavka at the restaurant where I'm, you know, if we go out, I will, I will be happy with Californian non-oaky Chardonnay or Californian Sauvignon Blanc or mm -hmm. South African. So it has to be warm climate wine for me to, to really right. replace. So that's the white variety that I import. Another one is called Kamianica, which is really floral. Then really main um, of the most known variety, red variety is Vrana, which is genetically related to Primitivo, Italian Primitivo. Another red that I import, it's called Plava, but that is actually the original Zinfandel. Well, we believed until recently it was the original Zin, um, because I don't know if you've heard about um, Gergic Winery, winemaker in California. He's well-known winemaker. Uh, he's uh, actually originally from Croatia, and he grows a lot of Zinfandel, uh, on, in his vineyards in California, and he was always when he would when he would taste Zin, he would always say, "This tastes like Plavac Mali from back home from Croatia." And so he actually worked as the um, uh, uh, professor from UC Davis in California to travel back to Croatia and the Balkans and, and do testing and find out if really this uh, Zinfandel is actually the originally brought from Croatia, from the Balkans, or not. And um, and so the professor did, did travel to Croatia, spent a few years actually studying there and, and looking for, like, for every, through every variety locally there and found the original Zinfandel, actually. So it's called Crljena Kastelanski. And then Plavac Mali, the variety that I import right now, and it's widely uh, spread through, through the Balkans, is actually the offspring, like a son of Zinfandel. So it was crossed with another variety. How cool is it that somebody's sensory system, that built-in genetic recognition mechanism, lit up when he tasted the grape 
that he knew his his entire system knew had a connection to something from back home, right? He was able to recognize in a very genetic level, like this is a grape that I've tasted from back home and I he could place that. And I know a lot of people have had these experiences in their lives where you'll walk down the street and someone will walk by you and you'll get a whiff of some someone's aftershave or something that brings you back to that you know, second grade teacher that you had who, you know, cleaned up the cut on your knee and just became your safe person. You know, those those little things that your body codes into long-term memory that are sensory-based. One of our guests came on to talk about um, forest bathing and how allowing your senses to really open up and register what's around you is a hugely beneficial activity for your overall physical and your mental health. And I know that in order to be really good at wine tasting, you need to open up your sensory system. So I know that you you said you enjoyed wines. Do you, Have you had to train yourself to differentiate all these different flavors? Did you get better at it? Did you have a natural talent? Can you tell me a little bit about your experiences with wine? Really, my my journey through all of this really started simply by by wanting to create jobs back home, wanting to sell something they produce, and then of course I had to I had to tell people about these wines in order to sell the want something anything you need to learn about it. So really, what I know is my my whole life uh, drinking these wines. I know these wines. I can't really taste Vranats and say, "Oh, this tastes to me like oh Primitivo from Tuscany." You know, I I don't. No, I'm not a sommelier, but I I know these wines, and I often uh, get sommeliers to taste my wines, and I love hearing that. Oh, this is similar to this and this wine. But everybody's uh, taste buds are different, right? Everybody, it, it starts from, to me, when you swirl the wine in a glass and it smells pleasant to you, the chances you're going to love that wine too while, when you're drinking it. If, if the if the nose is not the greatest, sometimes you get surprised, but um, yeah, and anyway, so really, really, that's where I know where the, these wines come from. I know about, uh, I teach people about climate uh, because it's really important for, for grow, grape growing. I know about these varieties, uh, how, how different they are from something else that's on, in the market. And I know all the winemakers, I know how they make wine. And yes, there's, there, those are the things that I teach people when I, when I talk about wine. And I do a lot of, um, since COVID started, I used to do wine tastings in person. So uh, when the COVID started, all of that stopped. And of course, all the sales stopped because unless I was out there, pouring wines for people to taste at stores or festivals. Nobody knew about Bosnian wines and nobody nobody would go in the store and ask for them, right? Yeah. And so I had to really quickly figure out how to to find a way to promote my wines. And then I started, you know, I, I built a, 
Instagram and Facebook and, you know, I post on LinkedIn and I started reaching to organizations like American Wine Society. I don't know if you've heard about them, but that's um, just a group of people, wine enthusiasts that, that meet monthly together. Every city in the U.S. pretty much has a, a, a American Wine Society chapter, or if it doesn't, you can start one. And they I call, meet- I call that my backyard, but that's okay. <laughs> So they meet and learn about new wines. So I discovered them. And when they heard about these wines that they never had before, that's the group of people that, you know, everybody wanted me to do like Zoom wine tastings with them. They would order wine, buy wine, have it with them at home. And I would get on online on Zoom and do presentations. And then I started reaching to, like there's Women in Wine Sense also, or like educational organization. I just did the presentation for um, Bar Association of New Jersey, like um, about a hundred attorneys belong to um, New Jersey Bar Association. So they invited me to, you know, it was their part of their fundraising actually. So uh, for, some cancer society that they support every year. So I did the presentation for them. So that's that's what I'm I'm doing right now and I have been in the past year is doing Zoom wine tastings and presentations and yeah talking about varieties and all of that. You know, and you are so incredibly knowledgeable. And but but what I'm struck with is, you know, if a little while ago you were telling us that, you know, you just had this idea. I want I want to help the people from home. I have to choose between potatoes, honey, and wine. And I chose wine. And then you had to get started. Can you walk us through for people who are who are sitting at home and listening and saying, Well, that's really cool, but I could never start a business or I could never, you know, I like like what's the first step? Like, how did you go about figuring out how to become a wine importer? Yeah, great question. Yes. So I have met all along, I I, I started talking to people, met some people in wine industry, started asking them questions, learned about this North American um, Association of Wine Importers, contacted them, talked to their president. He was very helpful. I realized that I have to, alcohol is very regulated. Probably the hardest thing to import is alcohol. And you need all these licenses not only the like uh, tobacco and trade bureau regulates that so I uh, I had to get the license to import first you start to register the company and get tax ID that's the easy easy part right but then getting the license everybody that I talked to every, they were saying oh you can't it's too complicated you have got to uh, pay attorney to help you through that process wow I mean I I quit my job and we didn't have so we lost one salary and I didn't have a million dollars to start the business I had no we had no money to start the business really so I called this attorney that specializes in helping and getting liquor licenses for people and he wanted to, so this was almost six years ago now, right? He wanted $8,000 to help me get the license. And I'm like, what? Forget it. I'm sorry. I can't afford this. Like, hang up. And so I started, um, I decided to, I'm going to, I'm going to learn on my own. So I get the tobacco and trade bureau site and I learn about how to, you know, get the license. And so I got the license myself. Uh, and then in order to, so that's really, once you know what you're looking for, what you need, you fill out the forms and 
they get approved and um if anybody ever wants to start a business like this, I would, that's very regulated, I would say always call people, like I call people at the alcohol uh, bureau of each state, right? It's their job to help you, to teach you how to do this properly. Don't call attorneys. I don't pay attorneys. I'm my own attorney and my own CPA and everything. Um, I just... I just called the, the, those offices and they explained to me exactly what I need to do. So, so that's how I have gotten. Once you get the license to import wines into the States or any alcohol, then you can, uh, you cannot sell. You have to be licensed for each state. So then you apply for a license for Connecticut. And if you want to sell to another state, to another distributor, you have to apply for shipper license to ship to another distributor. So yeah, it's a little oh, bit wow. complicated, but every you can learn anything if you want to. So now the regulatory piece and the bringing in, that's in my mind, like the bridge, but you had to create the relationships back in, is it, is it just, is it Croatia or is it all of Bosnia? What part exactly are you, are you importing from? Right now I import from three wineries and they are all inside Bosnia and Herzegovina. And but so like Croatia is five miles from this one winery. I mean, the, to me, that's the same, really, the same region, the same country, the same great. It's it's funny. I, it's funny how things connect together because I've never been there. And I, I could honestly say up until maybe a few months ago, I, I would have that would have never been on my list of places. You know, I, I honestly I remember back in the 90s, I was a. Uh, a news reporter on the local college station. So I was reporting on, on the events that were happening back in the 90s. So that's my recollection of that, that region. And then while we've been home for COVID, we got a treadmill and we got, not, not to be a commercial, but I got a Nordic track treadmill because I was going stir crazy being home and not seeing anything different. I, I live in a very rural area. The streets are not very walkable. It's not a neighborhood. It's not a village where I'd go walking. And what I liked about this treadmill was that it had a video display screen and I could walk any parts of the world. And oh. all of a sudden, probably about two months ago, there was a series of walks going through Bosnia and Croatia. And oh my goodness, is it a beautiful region? And like the, 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 the castles and the streets, the narrow and the water, oh my gosh, it's beautiful. And I could just imagine, you know, because probably like myself, many Americans are just not familiar with that. What an undiscovered gem and being able to appreciate that region and the, the natural beauty is just, but you still have that European, you know, that I, I saw, you know, now obviously my version is through a treadmill and walking, but it, just seeing the streets, the narrow streets and the, you know, the, the different boutiques and everything else and the cafes, I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to go here. So then, then you posted about this. So for some reason, now this is in my orbit of, oh my, well, this is on my list of places I would like to go someday. But, um, anyways, it struck me on my treadmill walk, um, but how close 
Croatia and Bosnia, they're, I mean, they're right on top of each other and that they're different countries, but they're, it's, you know, I mean, it's closer than Rhode Island and Connecticut for Pete's sake, practically. Exactly. Exactly. And Bosnia, since we're comparing, Bosnia is so small. It's about, actually, it's about three times as large as Connecticut, state of Connecticut, but they both have, like Bosnia has three and a half, 3.3 million citizens and, and Connecticut has 3.5 million. So it's the same number of people live. But as far as really traveling to Croatia, Bosnia, so Croatia is most of the coast of Adriatic Sea. So the on one side of Adriatic is Italy, right? And on the eastern side is Croatia and Bosnia and Montenegro. So there are about 780 islands on Croatian side. They are absolutely gorgeous. So if you are looking for, you know, sea and coastal towns and a lot of history dating back to ancient Illyrian times, Roman Empire, you know, there was Ottoman Empire, Austro-Hungarian Empire, and there's leftover, you know, leftovers from all these cultures all over. So if you're traveling to Bosnia, Northern Bosnia, especially every town, every hill has a fortress or a castle, and it's just a normal scene to, to see. Northern northern part of Bosnia and Herzegovina, I don't know, you, I'm sure you remember since you were familiar and reporting about that region, we had Winter Olympic in Sarajevo in uh, 1984, right? Mm-hmm. So it's very mountainous because Alps extend down from Italy all to Balkan Peninsula. So, so northern part of peninsula is, well, central part of Balkan Peninsula is very mountainous, continental climate, uh, a lot of good skiing, like hiking, mountain biking, any outdoor activity, a lot of lakes. Uh, we have clean water. We have so much clean water that we export water, actually, the Bosnia does. But then if you if you want wine country and, and, and the islands and just uh, good seafood, any activities on, on, on the sea, right? Uh, yeah. You were down in, in Croatia, Bosnia. That Bosnia. sounds amazing. And great yeah. wine, right, Kathleen? Like, What's yeah. the cost of living? Well, so I can't really answer that, but if you, if you are, I'm sure it's at least half or maybe half of, of the cost that will cost you to go to Italy or France, you know, or even mm-hmm. less than that. So it's very affordable for for people. And as a matter of fact, uh, Delta just started flights to Dubrovnik from New York to Dubrovnik, direct flight. Do you uh, travel it, there often since you started the business? Well, my parents live there still. Okay. So, so yes, I mean, well, I haven't been since COVID started, but but yeah. At least once a year. I and we were back in Europe working for the State Department. So for thirteen years. So I was back really close to home. Did I, you do any visiting of vineyards when you were getting started with this venture? Tell me a little bit about 
some of the experiences you had that was, you know, if you live in an area, you might not do as much of that kind of local sightseeing, but now you had a purpose, right? Well, one of the one of the things that U.S. government was helping while I was in Bosnia was actually through USAID uh, program was developing wine industry um, uh, tourism. And so through, through that program, I knew a lot and I knew all the winemakers. We did a lot of traveling. But when I when we moved to Vienna, now we're in Austria, uh, and I decided to start this business, I met actually his uh, American, Daryl Joseph, who is decanter judge and uh, wine writer and sommelier. Uh, he actually lived in, in London and wrote for Decanter, and he still he still writes for Decanter and Judges, which is the, the, the best-known wine magazine in Europe. I don't know if you're familiar with that. And so I told Daryl that I'm, I'm planning on possibly starting to import, import wine to the state, and he I would go down to Bosnia and pick up all the samples from wineries and bring it to Vienna, and Daryl would, and I would sit down, no, you know, no noise, nobody around, and he would be tasting wines and telling me, oh, this is a good quality. I mean, I've learned a lot from him. So he actually helped me pick this winery, the first winery that I started importing, uh, that that would be a really good wine to, to bring to the state. And um, I actually did not, we decided on, on the winery, but I didn't like their labels. They were not really telling the story that I wanted to tell. So I ended up creating my own brand. And so the brand Wines of Illyria, I created a whole brand. I mean, the labels and everything. So if you no look at the labels, yes. So if you look at the labels, I mean, I show this when I am on like Zoom call with people. I, I go through my PowerPoint presentation and I show a lot of photos from the region, first of all. But also we talk about how I, I created my brand. Since you can see it, each each of my labels have a map of Europe. There's uh, Italy is in here, Mediterranean Sea down below. And right across the water here, it's uh, ancient Illyria land. Illyria doesn't exist today. So Illyria actually existed 2,100 years ago, so before Roman Empire was on the Balkans, uh, before Common Era. And my logo is actually uh, a ship that looks kind of like Viking ship, but it's actually Illyrian ship. Uh, that's um, in ancient times, that's how all the ships kind of look like, kind of like Viking ship that we So my uh, the whole reason why ancient Illyria, why this ship is I, when I was making decision on how to call my company, how to start all of this, I was, I read, I came across the article about discovery of uh, this wooden ship in Southern Bosnia and Herzegovina that was full of clay pots that used to carry wine. And when archaeologists tested these, uh, they determined they were at least 2,100 years old, which placed them at the time of ancient Illyria. And that was really significant discovery for the whole region. Since then, they discovered more ships. And so it was a proof that we made wine that long ago. Uh, so this is thousands of years ago. Since then, I learned that 
that the wine has been made, that grapes were grown actually um, on the Balkan Peninsula during ice ages as well. So, so grape growing has such such a long history in the in the northern Mediterranean region, which we all know that. But so that that's um I got kind of sidetracked, but no, but that just the story of you know. So, you know, picking the, the right wines to bring back to the States, but also telling the story and getting the labels. So walk us through. So now that, you know, you have the story you want to tell and the wines that you love and you want to share here, how do we get it? How, like, what's the last step of that piece? Like, how does that work? Yes. So once I, once I bring it in right now, I'm, I bring it like a container full of wine, which is about 20,000 bottles uh, fit in one container. Um, then I sell it to either distributor, like I hear, I have here in Connecticut, I have distributors. So the company, it's a woman, women's own company as well. So Veronica has about five salespeople. So they will take samples out to liquor stores and restaurants and offer my wines. And I do that as well. So I'll go out actually and visit these places and offer my wine to sell. And so the easiest way to find which is the closest store uh, where you can buy my wine is if you go on my website, winesofillyria.com. I actually built a Google map where you can, each retail location that ever had purchased my wine, I have a little Illyrian ship symbol on it. So you can, you can find a closest store like that because for a while I was getting really, like I, I was getting emails from people. I would do presentation and then people would start emailing Oh, how do we, where is your, the closest place I can get your wines? And then they give me address and then I look for it. And then I tell them, okay, go call this store. <laughs> and then I, then I decided I built my, the Google map. But, um, but so also recently I built the online store on my website. So you can actually go on my website and order order my wine as well but this is new like a couple months old only so so did you build the store yourself or is that yes yes everything i have that well the website i mean it's not that great but um i use godaddy actually company and so i i just built it based on the i mean they they have the platform and sure then you can just choose and populate what but that's not easy and i know that's not easy because kathleen and i have been trying to build a website for this and i tried it and it did not work very well and then my good friend kathleen said well how hard could it be and then she sat there to show how hard it couldn't really wasn't then i sat back and drank my wine while she and my husband tried to show me it wasn't that hard and I'm sure you were right. It's, it, was, it was pretty awful. <laughs> so, so even with uh, all of the plugins and everything else, building your own website is not an easy feat at all. So, I mean, that's amazing that like just building this business from ground up to introduce such an am- amazing, you know, culinary experiences taste to you know and there's so many good wines that you know we we do we go to like tuscan wines are wonderful i've actually one of the things i've discovered is that i really like some spanish wines too the the spanish Mm -hmm. wines so i i have not tried your wines yet i like i said we had um my my thought was i would have it here for the tasting tonight you could tell us about it and my my younger son has to have um, a minor surgery. He's going to have an ear tube removed 
but we just found out we have a quarantine in our future before he has to go for surgery. And I'm like, wait, what? We have to quarantine? So we were trying to figure out that kind of came up so anyway i'm wondering if if i if would it would it be of interest if we could get a few people to try the wines if i if i ordered it would, would you on another like walk us through a, a tasting about the wine and and what we're experiencing and you know especially connecting back I and mean, i felt like i was there a little bit as you just you know described the region and i'm craving travel and i'm craving these new experiences maybe we could do a virtual field trip to Illyria to and to try these wines and to take so I don't know Kathleen would you be interested in doing something like that I'm all about that uh, <laughs> great great definitely no, definitely we can we can pick a date and uh, schedule a zoom wine tasting you will have wines in front of you and I'll walk you through tasting each I even have these small bottles that I just brought in uh, just for tasting. So uh, you can actually you can actually get for four different wines only. I don't have all four of them, <laughs> but see how little they are. They're 187 milliliters bottles. Uh -huh. And so you get uh, one white and three different reds. And that's enough to experience the region. Mm -hmm. And that way you don't have to buy a large bottle right away. You buy these four little ones first and then see which variety you like the best, which I'm pretty sure you're going to like all of them because <laughs> if you have time, how much time? Do we We've got time. <laughs> so when I was talking with people about the whole industry, one of the things that somebody told me is you have got to make decision up front if you want to import really the lowest quality wine and sell a lot of it because most people can afford the lower quality wine or you want to bring really high-end wines and you're not going to sell a lot of that uh, but you you need to make decision do you want to get to be known in dear brings a lot of wine from bosnia you know or Balkan region, or she brings amazing wines. Yeah. So right away, there was no question in my mind, I didn't care about selling the cheapest quality wine, not at all. I can't drink it and I, I didn't wanna import it. So consumers there are very protected in, in, in Europe. Well, especially the former Yugoslavian countries and Germany and Austria have the same system where the winemakers cannot sell the wine or even label it until they send samples to independent state-owned laboratories staffed with enologists, chemists, and they, based on different parameters, uh, evaluate the quality of wine. So the, then the winemaker gets this document, which I have those documents for every wine that I import, and it says this wine is premium quality. You can uh, affix this word on your label, premium. And uh, the next level is a different word, meaning middle range quality. And then the table wine, the lowest quality wine, is typically uh, bottled in um, packaged in one liter bottles, right? So people, when consumers, when you walk into the store, you see one liter bottle, typically you will buy uh, sparkling water to mix with it, right? Because it's, it's the 
it's a table wine. The middle range wine is really the most, you know, the popular. And then there's, uh, when you see this word premium from any winemaker, that wine is going to be really, really good. I did not know that. Yes. So all of the wines that I have, I have the certificate of quality and I have lab results to show me what exactly is in the wine. Like how much sugar is there, how much acidity, how much like all the chemical elements of each wine. So, so that's what I decided to bring these premium quality wines only, but then I didn't want to sell. I wanted to sell a lot of them. So my idea was I'm going to bring these the most expensive wines that you can purchase and and that winemakers create and if i can make one dollar per bottle but if i can sell 10 million bottles that's 10 million dollars right i don't need any more money than that to retire right so that's seems logical way. yes so i love when sommeliers try the, the like recently my white wine that i import um it's called stone cuvee uh oh. He compared it to some French wine from Marsal region that he typically pays $85 to $100. Well, my wine is $21. I, that's amazing. I mean, I, I think that's, we had talked a little bit about this, about Portuguese wine too, on another episode, that there's these, these hidden gems of regions where you can get such high quality wines for a fairly affordable price, you know? Yeah, like, I, I don't think I'm gonna go out and pay, even for a great event, an $80 bottle of wine, but I will splurge on a $20 bottle of wine for a great experience with friends or family, you know, sip it, enjoy the flavors and everything else. So I, I just love that idea. And what I'm thinking is that perhaps if you'd be up for it and maybe we could organize like our first better family travel little event and see if we can get some people who might want to do a wine tasting. And if you'd be up for it, I could work with you, you know, offline and we could put together what the event would be and then invite people who have been listening to the podcast, some of our friends, and maybe have a, a virtual wine tasting for some of the people that have been listening and trying experience that we can, you know, still, you know, travel, but from our, our own homes or something like that. I know we have yeah. listeners right now nodding their head, <laughs> either in the car, on their walk. They're going, yep, sounds great. I'll be there. Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would love to do it. Let's. I'll. I will send you some information, maybe to give you an idea. Yeah, and we'll we'll put the yeah. information down. We'll set a date, and people can order the their wine from you, and yeah. we'll we'll host a Zoom or something like that. I'm sure we could put it together, get to see some of our regular listeners face to face, and just enjoy something different. So. Yes. No. Definitely, I would love to do that, and I do have Zoom for a hundred people. Well, we'll see how many people we get, but it's a start, right? <laughs> hey, we've had 355 downloads of our podcast, so we've got a few listeners out there. We absolutely Come on, do. everybody, join us. You can't well, miss this wine tasting. It'll be amazing. I just did, actually, on January 1st, a friend of mine from North Carolina uh, that actually we met working at the American Embassy in Sarajevo together. So she, every year, goes to California, and then her family 
family from Nevada, the whole family from all over U.S. used to get together at her grandma's place in California every year for New Year's. And this was this past year was the first time that they were not really together. So she said, Indira, would, would you mind doing wine tasting like for such a small family group? And my family, they'll all will order wine and, and you can tell us about wine and lead us to wine tasting. And so we did that on January 1st. That's what we, I did, you know, Heidi and her family all got together on Zoom and they learned about wines. Um, they, I mean, Heidi was in Bosnia working as well. So they were familiar with the region, but it was fun events. So it was not that many people. So I will do Zoom tasting to promote my wines and spread the word with any number of people. Yeah. And Fantastic. Just you only. Awesome. Now, I would love to do that because I love learning about this and I love drinking wine and I love good conversation. So it's a win, win, win. But, you know, so we'll put a pause on this and say this is part one of eventually a part two, like as we put this tasting together. But in the meantime, if people can't wait for us to put the tasting together, again, if you could remind them, where can they learn more about your wines? Can you give them the website one more time? Yes. So winesofilluria.com. And I will spell Illyria for people. So I-L-L-Y-R-I-A, winesofilluria.com. And we will drop that in the Facebook when we, we put this up to a link to hot, to the website so they can, I mean, the wines look amazing. So I'm excited. I The virtual wine tastings for me are one of the undiscovered little gems of COVID where I actually get to listen and learn about different wines and I, I've learned a ton. So I'm really excited to learn about this. So, And maybe when the COVID is totally behind us because most people are getting vaccinated, maybe we can put a trip to Bosnia and Croatia together. I'm all for that too. That would be That's great. Amazing. So, well, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I, I really appreciate it. I've loved hearing your stories and I found it so inspirational how you saw this need and you figured out a way to, to bring this and connect the two cultures. And it's, it's fantastic. So thank you so much thank for you joining for sharing us tonight. All of that information with us. I feel like I've learned a lot more than I expected from uh, from you tonight. Thank you so much for everything. Well, Amy and Kathleen, both of you, I really appreciate you inviting me to speak with you and your audience. And I am looking forward to continue, looking forward to that number two virtual wine tasting event so we can actually taste the wines together. Yes. So thank you all to all listeners for, for listening. I would like to thank you for joining us on Better Family Travel and being part of the CMG Podcast Network. You can find us at clovercrossmedia.com and make sure to visit our website at betterfamilytravel.com for the latest tips, trends, stories, and adventures that meet your family's needs. And make sure you follow us on social media at Better Family Travel. For Better Family Travel, I'm Amy. I'm Kathleen. Happy travels.